today uh, as um, the world celebrates what is called the Palm Sunday. Today is the Palm Sunday. Uh, if you grew up in a traditional church, uh, they do quite, quite a different things. So I grew up in an Anglican church. And as an Anglican boy, I never really understood why they waved palm leaves everywhere. And, uh, but the world is celebrating. If you're part of church, it's Palm Sunday. And there's a significance of Palm Sunday. And this morning, I felt um, I want to bring a, a bit of teaching to us this morning about what it means and some truths through Palm Sunday and the uh, text in John chapter 12. And so um, it's, it's also known as a Passion Week. Uh, it's known as a Passion Week. That means Jesus journeyed uh, the, 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 from this Sunday to next Sunday. There's one week. Uh, there were things that he's done and leading up to Good Friday and then also Easter Sunday morning. And so as we uh, get into this word, I want to pray before we get into it. Father, I pray that you will teach us, open our eyes to hear, uh, to see, and our ears to hear your word this morning. Lord, we don't want to just hear it, but I pray that through your spirit, you help us to understand your truth, Lord, so that may we grow in you and have a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. So we come at this uh, word into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 12 um, and uh, verse 12 to 16. And I'm going to bring my message from these four uh, verses. John chapter 12, verse 12 to 16. It says in verse 12, The, the next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out. This is where we get the Palm Sunday. They took the uh, branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it. As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Amen. So we see here Jesus is entering into uh, Jerusalem. And uh, I called it Palm Sunday, uh, uh, Jesus' triumphal entry. Jesus is entering and they, there's a bit of a commotion and they're hearing that Jesus is coming. So they go grab these palm leaves and they come to him and they wave and they put the palm leaves uh, uh, on the ground. And they say, Hosanna, Hosanna, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And uh, this is the first time Israel is acknowledging Jesus Christ as the king. This is the first time they're acknowledging as a king. And, but this king is entering on a donkey's colt or a, a fall. And um, they're also uh, declaring that he is the Messiah. You know, the Jerusalem, the, the Israelites were declaring that he's the Messiah, but they're also quoting a messianic prophecy. 
And the prophecy, there's two uh, Old Testament scriptures that they're quoting here. And uh, I want to read a few scriptures with us this morning. But my first point is Hosanna. My first point is Hosanna, uh, save us now. Because the, the Greek word for, you probably you could have helped me here, uh, Catherine, since you're here Greek. Do you speak Greek fluently, bit? Okay, but Hosanna, from what I read through the Greek, uh, Hosanna, a lot of us think Hosanna is about praise, but the actual meaning of Hosanna means save us, and the na means now. So they're crying out, save us now. Hosanna, save us now. That's the Greek meaning for it. Hosanna, save us now. And you know, we need today, we don't want God to save us later, we need God to save us now. We don't need help later with the pandemic. We need help now. Amen. So we need that. They're saying, save us now. That means they're acknowledging the kingship of Lord Jesus Christ. And they're saying, save us now. Now they're quoting this scripture that you find the same scripture in Psalm 118 verse 25. So if you can go to Psalm 118 verse 25, please. Silvana. Thank you, honey. My daughter's on the screen for the first time. So, all right. And it says, save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. It says, save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. See, this is what they're recording here. Save now, I pray. I tell you what, as a society... Back in the day, they needed a savior. They were waiting for a savior. They were waiting for the Messiah to save them. And even today, we are in need of a savior. There are problems that we are facing today in our lives. We don't have an answer for it. And then we come up with words like, it is what it is. But you see, the, the, we have a savior who is our, waiting for us to call out to him. So that he can save us. We are his creation. God loves us. We are his creation. And he desires fellowship with us. He desires communion with us. And he's saying, I want to be not just your God who is out there sitting there uh, and trying to bless you, but I want a journey with you. See, Jesus Christ desires a relationship with you and I. True? And it's not a ritual. You know, uh, uh, going to church doesn't save us. It doesn't mean don't, don't stop going to church, you know. But going to church doesn't save us. Uh, doing church things won't save us. What saves us is actually inviting Jesus into our heart and having a relationship with Jesus. And yes, I was saved a long time ago, but... I still ask, God, we need your help now. Yeah. I'm sure you've cried out like that, and, uh, and you continue to cry out like that. I do that. Lord, I need your help now. Yeah. You know, I often say this, when, when we needed, uh, when uh, Leo was nearly dying, and uh, he's all floppy in my hands because I poisoned him with uh, normal milk, with his food allergies, as you know the story. I didn't need God tomorrow. I didn't need God yesterday. I need him now. Yeah. 
There's a desperation of saying, God, I need you now to save this boy. Because I gave him milk in his porridge, regular milk. And he's allergic to milk. And I found him in his own vomit going all purple. And uh, as a father, guilty feeling and, the, and all that stuff. And it was on Kara's birthday too. <laughs> uh, but we need savers now. And I remember when we, when we, went, uh, when we, li- we were living in Christchurch, the earthquakes, I've never felt earthquakes before, but when we felt the earthquake, even though I'm a Christian and a pastor back there too, I should have it all together, right? No. I was reading the scripture, it did not make sense to me. Because the earth is shaking. The very thing that you trust that will hold you is giving in. It's giving up. It's like everything is rocking. And so I'm praying. I said, God, help me now. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. I need your help now. I need your help in my anxiety now. I need your help in my spirit now. And God loves helping his children. And, and every time you look at Israelites, I think the, in the Bible, the scripture is written about, there's a lot of failure stories. And you look at the Israelites, how miserably they failed, yet God was amazingly faithful to them. And it just tells the story that we as people are fallen people. But we need a Savior to help us. In Psalm 107, verse 11, I want to pick a few scriptures. These are prayers of the Israelites. And it says, Because they rebelled against the word of God and despised the counsel of the Most High, therefore he brought down their hearts with labor, they fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. Isn't it wonderful that every time Israel struggled, God helped them? In verse 19, we're going to jump to verse 19. Then they cried out again. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. I love that part. He sent his word, and he healed them. You know, we are to cry out to God. Amen. Hosanna, Hosanna. God, save us now. And in verse 27, he says, they, uh, they, reel to, they, they reel to and fro, and staggered like a drunken man, and are in their wit's end. You know, we have come to my wit's end. You know, they've come to the wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distress. My friend, today there are things that we cannot understand. There are things that we can't fathom, but God is still in control. And we've been talking about love of Jesus Christ. Our theme for the year is love transforms. The love of God transforms us. Amen. And, 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 and his desire is for us as children of God to run to him, not just in good times, but even in bad times. 
Not run away from him, but run to him. Last year, sometime last year, I did a study just for my own sake. I did a study on the book of Judges. And the vortex that I noticed of man's disobedience and God's rescue plan. Man's uh, 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 willful desires that he fall, fell, fell into and how uh, uh, God, when they cried out, God rescued them. See, God is a loving God. And he wants to rescue us. He wants to help us. And not just for your salvation, but there are a number of things that God wants to help us in our day-to-day -day life. And there's a, number, there's, a, there's a lot of wisdom and there's a lot of truth in the Word of God that when we dig into it, we figure out what God is saying to us. So the children of Israel, what can we learn from that is that we can call out to God today, not just for salvation, but also over our children. Amen. You can call out to God over your children and say, God, I pray that you will become real to them. I have done everything I can to teach them, to help them. But God, I pray, would you become real to them? I'm on my children to connect with you. Amen. Number two. Number two is in verse 15. So number one, Hosanna, save us now. Number two, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Fear not. That's my point. Fear not. Fear not. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, fear not? Fear, fear not. You know, we are gripped with fear. We are gripped with fear because, I mean, we are this pandemic, this is whole, this whole thing, there's, we're gripped with fear. Fear of, are we going to lose money? Fear of, are we going to lose health with stress? There's so much anxiety and fatigueness that's actually hitting our nation. Uh, I talk to a lot of pastors. I talk to people. That's what I do for a living. Uh, but, and there's a fatigueness. And there's a you know, it's hit people, and they're, they're struggling, and it's manifesting in different ways. And people are uh, 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 doing things that you don't expect them to do because of certain pressures that we are going through. But the Bible is saying, fear not. Amen. I love that. God, oh, it's a command, it's, and it's a positive command. He's saying, fear not in the midst of your storm. Fear not, in the midst of you may get a report from a doctor which is not right. Now, most of you know the story, uh, or probably you may or may not know, but before I had my surgery five weeks ago, for three years or so, I've had this mysterious pain in my stomach. And it was on and off, quite intermittent. And so me being me, I said, oh, well, take some painkillers, move on. And that's what I did. And uh, when it got real bad, took myself to A&E. Uh, they fixed me up with some morphine. It felt good. <laughs> morphine felt good. And uh, you, I, I said to people, I said, when they put you on morphine, it's like you, you're hearing Jesus so clearly. 
Uh, it's a joke, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, they put me on morphine, and then they sent me home the next day. And uh, that happened three times, actually, over the period of three years. And I got used to it so quickly that I went to the hospital one night, uh, midnight, and um, then they released me by 11 a.m. because they said, you're fine, there's no pain. They thought it was stress, so they released me, and I left. And I carried on meeting, did my meetings in the evening the same day. Uh, I wore a shirt not to show my, all the stuff that, you know, they put you know, IV stuff. And I carried on meeting. But September last year, I, I was sensing, I said, there's something not right in my stomach. And um, so I asked my doctor, I said, can I get um, a test done? And she said, Peter, I think it's stress. I said, I don't feel stressed. And she goes, but your body feels stressed. I said, okay, you're my doctor, you tell me. And so I got an endoscopy done. Uh, put a pipe through, looked in my stomach, and uh, you know you have the waiting period? And then the doctor said, hey, it's cancerous. And so 48 hours, I was living in that mindset of it's cancer. And I'm thinking, I've got a 13-year-old, 10-year-old, and a 7-year-old, and I've got one wife, godly order, uh, you know. Uh, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to look after them? And the fear gripped me. Fear gripped me. 48 hours of fear gripping me, and I'm going, what am I going to do if I die? Because death is inevitable. Right? What am I going to do if I die? And, uh, and so I had to really go to God and say, God, would you help me with fear? More than the cancer, fear was killing me. More than the cancer, fear was really killing me. And it was killing me softly. <laughs> Some people got the lyrics. Anyway, uh, that's good. Good to, good to have fun in church, true, isn't it? Yeah? Okay. It is good. Trust me, it is very good. Good to have fun. And so it, the fear was killing me, and I had to go to God and say, God, would you please help me with this fear? And look at the promises of God. We sang the song, Promises of God. See, faith comes through the word of God. Amen. Fear and faith are both contagious. Amen. What pleases God is faith. Faith is not hyping myself up. Faith is not kind of going, it's not your willpower. Faith is supernatural. Faith is like a muscle that you need to exercise. You don't exercise that muscle of faith, it, it remains dead. So faith without action, the Bible says, is dead. Amen. So I had to meditate on the word of God to make sure whether it is cancer or not, but my heart still remains true to God. That I am to, if, till my last breath, that I am to give God the glory. If he takes me now, he takes me in another 40 years time. I'd rather he takes me in 40 years time. Okay? But my... Desire is that every breath I live and breathe, I want to glorify Jesus with my life. Joshua chapter 1, it's not on your screen, but Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9. I love this. It says, 
This is God right talking to jo Joshua now. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but meditate, you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then God says, for then you will make your way prosperous and, and then you will have good success. He, and he goes on to say, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. 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 Do not, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Where does that strength comes from? Where does faith comes from? It comes from the word of God. Amen. And he's saying, be strong in the Lord. And to cut my story short, some of you know that my sister's a doctor. I sent her my report to her. She looked at it. She goes, don't worry, it's not cancerous. And she sent it to an oncologist, her friend, and he, he put a smile emoji. And he said, that's not cancerous. He's just got some bacteria. Give him some antibiotics, he's fine. That's it. And so they gave me some antibiotics, and I thought I would have been fine until five weeks ago they realized it's gallbladder. And so... They removed the gallbladder. I donated my gallbladder <laughs> to the society. I did my part this year. Um, but I want to say this. Isn't that funny? Because fear not. Because just as faith, fear is contagious. But as, as God's children, we are not to operate in fear. It's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. But I want to encourage us. Let us dig into the word of God now than ever before. Amen. Amen. Let us not operate out of faith. There are churches, there are people in churches in our nation. Our faith has been uh, uh, challenged. Our faith has been attacked. And our faith is being infiltrated with, with worry, with fear, with anxiety, with everything. And we begin to reason. But I am saying faith doesn't come by reasoning. Faith doesn't come by thinking. Faith doesn't come by uh, sitting and wallowing over our problems. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Amen. So be strong. Amen. Fear not. So my first point is Hosanna, save us. Second point, fear not. My third point, again in verse 15 of John chapter 12, he says, Fear not, a daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. He's saying, Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, the same scripture, they were singing that out, praising that out, is uh, referred to back to Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Can you go to Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, please? There you go. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fall of a donkey. So they were singing and they were saying, Behold, the king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. How many of you seen the movie Aladdin? Prince Ali. 
Prince Ali from Ababwa. Have you seen that movie with Will Smith and uh, Naomi, whatever her name was? Um, and uh, Prince Ali comes uh, from Ababwa, enters into Agrabah to meet Jasmine, right? And um, he comes with all his pompous and this great celebration. And I thought, Will Smith did so fabulous. If you haven't seen the movie, go watch the movie. It's a fabulous movie. Uh, it's fun. He did so good. Good acting. But when a king comes, he comes with his entourage. When a king comes, he comes with, with all his splendor. To show off his, his power, to show off his wealth, to show off how great, how mighty, and how powerful he is. Now, in India, we, of course, in India has a lot of rich history. I come from India, and uh, we got a lot of kings, and they fought the British army. We got the freedom, amen, you know. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, but you see, the kings, when they came, the king always... You could easily spot the king because the king's horse or the chariot was above every other one in the army. This you have the horseman, then you have the military guy, but the king is above everyone. So everyone knows who the king is. That's how a king comes. You look at if the queen walks in today or the queen visits us and the queen, her entourage, you know, when Will got married, William and uh, our good friend William and Kate, when they got married, the entourage, you know, the pompous and the, there's a whole rigmarole and it looks splendid. It looks fantastic. But with Jesus, the Bible says when he comes, amen, when he comes, he doesn't come, as my point there, it says, not as we imagine. He won't come, and he came, as we know the Bible says, he came as a little baby in a manger. Amen. And But then he's come on a donkey. And so he doesn't come as we imagine. People say today, when is Jesus coming? I don't know. I don't know when he's coming, but guess what? He is coming one day. He is coming. And, uh, but we are to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. So the king will come, but not as we imagined. And this king, Jesus, when he rode, he didn't ride a horse or on a chariot. He rode a donkey. And why he chose a donkey, that's another story for another day. But he came with humility. He came as a, on a lowest of the lowest, they used to put weight on a donkey to carry the weight as they traveled. And Jesus sat on a donkey and he traveled into Jerusalem. He's not going to come as you've imagined and I imagine, but he's going to come. And the question I have, I don't want to freak you out, but I want to say, are we ready for Jesus' return? Isn't that cool? What if he comes now? Are we ready? Are we living our lives as if we are ready for his return today? I remember when a uh, pandemic hit in, of course, we heard in Wuhan, in China, and it was spreading. Even I said it, oh, it won't hit here, and yeah, no big deal. That was December 2019, March 2020, we as a nation went into lockdown. And everyone was surprised, like, I did not expect that would happen here. It will happen. He will come one day. Amen. Number four. 
And my last point is Jesus is revealed, not just explained. Jesus is revealed, not just explained. I say that because you can't teach about Jesus. Because you need a revelation of Jesus. Because teaching is important, but teaching alone, uh, teaching can give you information. Amen? It can give you information, but not revelation. Uh, as an Anglican boy, my mom and dad sat me down and um, uh, 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 they taught me the verses in the Bible. And as a good boy, I had to recite and nod my head like this. Did you understand it? Yes. Did you not understand it? No. You know, uh, we, we did that. And, but it did not make any sense in my mind and my heart because I didn't have a revelation of Jesus. Rituals don't save us. Righteousness leads us to God. And I thought, if you're baptized, then you're closer to God. You know, you, when you're baptized, you can, without a right heart with God, you can go as a dry sinner, and you'll come back as a wet sinner. Because there is no change in the heart. God looks at the heart. Amen. John 12 Verse 16, it says, His disciples did not understand these things at first. His disciples did not understand these things first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and they had done these things to him. The disciples did not understand my friends, I think today there are so many Christians with so much knowledge about God. And just on your phone, you can get the best preacher, the best teacher, the best everything. There's so much information today in our society. But yet, they lack revelation of God. Because information won't set us free, revelation of God will set you free. Information won't give the church power, revelation of God gives the church power. Amen. Information won't teach us, information may teach us how to pray, but to get power in your prayer, you need revelation. We've talked about that last Wednesday. When we had over 40 people and over 15 young people, we were surrounded. We were praying on Wednesday night, praying for our nation, praying for our city, praying for our church and our family members. And I tell you what, uh, uh, Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call unto me and I will answer. And I will make you known. That means God wants to reveal himself to you and I. Of his great and mighty things that he will do. Amen. Information will give you knowledge about a person. I can probably read about Rupert. You know, he's six foot something. Works pretty chilled out job at the moment. You know, works at the airport or whatnot, I know. But to get to know him, I need to sit down with him. And dine together. Love a duck. <laughs> All right? Uh, and, and get to know him, sit down, commune with him. That's why we took communion today. Communion is not ritual. Communion is not tradition. Communion is fellowship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 
So can I get the worship team up, please? As we close this morning, my points are, Hosanna, save us now. Fear not. Not as we imagine. He's going to come back again, but not as we imagine. And the last point is Jesus is revealed, not just explained. Sometimes we need to pray for revelation. In India, we have an application form. When you write your application form, official application forms, it says father's name, mother's name, your name, and it says religion. And so you have to tick whether you're a Christian or a Hindu or a Muslim or a uh, Buddhist or a Jain. Uh, you have to tick those out there. But just because you're born into a Christian family does not make you Christian. What makes you a follower of Jesus is when you say, God, I give my heart to you. I choose to follow you willingly. Not because I was born in a Christian nation. Not because I bear a Christian name, Emmanuel. That doesn't make me Christian at all. But it is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. My friends, as we enter into this season, of this week of Easter, every day I want to encourage you to think about what God has done for you, if you know Him. And if you don't know Him, get to know God. We are here to help you how to get to know God. But God is real. Amen. He is real. And He loves you passionately. He loves you dearly. And he wants the very best for you. Great is your faithfulness. Amen.